It's the resonance. The thing about the calls of South Island Kokako, unlike any other bird call I've heard in the world, is they seem to be able to produce a natural resonance. The first time I heard it calling for such a long time was in the Capels Valley and Fraser Stream, which is a tributary of the Capels Valley and Fjordland. 25th of the 11th, 83, flat above Top Capels Hut. It called for two minutes. I was virtually, I was hypnotised on the spot and then I said to myself, hey, wait a minute, mate, we've got to find this bird. So I raced towards where this incredible call was coming from and across the river, and there was quite a flow of water that day. It was after a lot of rain, so the river was as noisy as anything, but these bongs were as clear as a bell above the noise of the river. And then it stopped. It stopped just as I crossed the river. Yeah, this is a genuine Tibetan bowl made from a number of metals. And just this movement of the stick that you use to make the sound. Just quietly take it around the circumference of this bowl. And the early Tibetans in the Bon religion used it for trance purposes. For the hypnotic purpose to quieten people's minds basically. Hi, this is Rhys Buckingham, a freelance ornithologist from Mapua, Nelson, introducing a search for the rare endemic New Zealand bird, the South Island Kōkako. Today, the 17th of October 2000, we are beginning the expedition, which will cover a period of about three months and extend from the northern part of the South Island right through to the southwest corner, the bottom corner of Stewart Island. We are beginning here in the Operara Valley because of reports in the past five or so years. Quite close to this area I heard calls which I believed were from South Island Kōkaku. And importantly these calls were an answer to tapes recorded calls of North Island Kōkāpū. You get this call when you've got the bird in the hand and you're swinging it upside down. <laughs> it's a degree more, I think, than the last in terms of alarm. This beautiful bird is a bluey grey colour, larger than a tui with a distinctly longish tail. But its main feature, if one's close enough to see it, is a pair of fleshy wattles. And to the early New Zealanders, the pioneers of ornithology, this bird was called the orange wattled crow. This is really the basis now of South Island Kōkāko survey. We try and do something just similar to what they're doing to survey areas with North Island Kōkāko. They're called walk-through surveys, where you just walk on a route, just playing tapes or whatever, and luring a kokako. 
As you can see, nothing wants to answer it here, so we better move on. The first incidents where I thought, wow, Kokako may exist. I had spent so much time tramping through Fiordland. I was sceptical when I when people spoke of South Island Kokako or any other rare bird for that matter, because I'd spent lots of years of just tramping around and I'd heard nothing. And then at the head of Lake Monowai, and I think it was 1977, I heard this call last thing just before nightfall, coming from the head of Lake Monowai, a beautiful ringing call, and I'd never heard anything like it. It was like a cathedral bell endlessly tolling. I don't know how long the call went on, but it was a long time. And my immediate thought then, that must be Kukaku. What I could possibly do is look somewhere, I'll have the original tape. Really valuable tapes. Original bomb chorus cables, here it is. Whether it'll still play or not, it's pretty old, let's try. Stop it This is the right spot. Stars it listen to this tape. Let me go back. We've actually got another recording from um, report from exactly the same site three years ago. Oh, beautiful long-tailed cuckoo. It's not that loud. Oh, there it is. Just that now. It should be followed by an unusual double note. Yep, that's it. Both of those. That is the very original. And that particular note is the one we want. You can string them together with a space between them if you like to make them sound like as they normally do in the field. This one just did this one note. It does that sometimes. Copy of alleged South Island Kokako calls. One. 18th of October 2000, Glenroy River. This is where an intensive search for South Island Kokako has been carried out in the last five or six years. The main thrust of our effort was in setting up six automatic surveillance cameras. Unfortunately, we failed to get a photograph of South Island Kokako. Never mind, we heard some very interesting calls. Probably the most interesting was a single hollow kind of note. It was very deep sounding and quite ghostly really. Alleged South Island Kokako too. So it was extremely mysterious. But after all, we're searching for a very, very mysterious bird. The first sighting was in Fraser Stream, and that was 
1983. I was a wee way off. The bird ran up this log. I've never seen a bird before or since run that way. It wasn't like anything else. It just ran. didn't hop. just ran. And then it paused. It was a large bird. And I got out my binoculars. And then it just hopped away. It disappeared. But it called shortly after it disappeared. And I was fairly confident that was a kokaka. Single tong note, Corka Basin, dusk, 1st of December 1986. 22nd of October. I took off quite early by myself today and headed to Moria Gate and from there up ridges southeast pretty wild, steep country. Not an iota of a sign of Kokako today. The draining times, the really psychologically draining times, are simply those times of long periods of times when nothing much happens. You're playing tapes and nothing responds. You're giving up, you're feeling, am I wrong even? Click call, recorded at dawn, 3rd of December 1984. And it did another sequence coming up. The sequence here. Very close to the bird, notice. No coughs and splutters that Tui do. Last call is a local dialect to an area in northwest Nelson where there were many records of South Island Kokaka. And in fact, one of them should have been accepted. Two observers saw the bird, saw the orange wattles, heard the calls, described the calls exactly as we know them now. Confirmed sighting, in my opinion, 1972. So that's where, if people ask me what's the last confirmed record of South Island Kokako. I think it's 1972 or 1971 anyway. Somewhere in Southland someone had taken a photograph of this bird and it was taken at a, on a picnic table, the bird was on a picnic table, but there was no question or doubt that that bird, because Robert Fowler wouldn't make a mistake like that, he's one of our most prestigious and well-known ornithologists because he himself had seen the slide. In fact, the slide showed clearly the orange wattles, but this slide disappeared. We know that the photographer was called Blanchard because Robert Feller referred it as the Blanchard slide, and he said it completely disappeared. I think this guy, Blanchard, died, and he was trying to get hold of it from the estate, but it was never found. It's probably 1950s we're looking at now, but it would be the most recent photograph of South Island Kokaka. Maybe it's actually the only photograph. Of November 2000. Yesterday at 5.30, I decided to go for a wander up the valley and then up a ridge. It was on this ridge I played a tape of juvenile North Island Kokako and then heard to my amazement a 
the most beautiful of all calls that Kokako can make. It's a series of cathedral-like bongs with an ambience and a resonance. It's quite startling. Ethereal is probably the best way of describing these calls. And this bird was quite a long way away, probably 600, 800 meters away. But the ringing nature of the call was staggering. And it kept calling constantly about the rhythm of a cathedral bell tolling. The tuis and the bellbirds around were just going berserk. They had been quite quiet. Everything had been very ordinary. But after this bird called in the distance, the tuis and the bellbirds started making alarm calls and general chattering. It was quite staggering. I tried to get recordings of all this, but the wind was just a bit too high and it, the microphone was too sensitive. So then, of course, after... Well, it probably the call lasted for three, four minutes, five minutes. It was a very long sequence. I got a compass bearing and headed off in that direction. But that was it. The bird had run out of steam. And I thought, well, this is big country in here. What chance have I of seeing a bird? That's probably only one or two left here in this area. So it's going to be a matter of patience. Just persevere. Keep coming back. And one day, surely, our luck must change. Thank goodness for John Kendrick in many respects. Otherwise, perhaps I wouldn't be still going now. Wildlife Service sent him in as the consultant just to check how crazy I was. I think I'm still on. They sent was basically... This guy who's streets ahead of nearly everyone else in the country on bird calls, bush bird calls in particular. <laughs> and then they ended up, they didn't even believe John Kendrick. I just flown in with Bill Black on the helicopter in the little Anglin branch of the Freshwater River on Stewart Island. We called this particular one around camp, we called Ghost Bird. And John flew in by helicopter, it was raining quite heavily, so we went inside the tent. He was dead keen, very eager to hear the recordings I'd made. We were playing these tape recordings back in our tent. Reese, young Adams and myself, the three of us making up the party. And as I was playing him the recordings in the tent... These interesting calls were peeling out from the recorder when all of a sudden... The bird outside responded right above the tent. An exact replica of what we were playing on the tape. John disappeared out of that tent so quickly. Burst through the tent. There was a sort of ripping noise. Right through our mosquito netting. And we looked up in the rimu. We looked. We walked around the rimu tree. And strained. We spent half an hour looking in the tree without sight or sound of this darn bird. That absolutely epitomises the difficulty of finding the birds. You hear them, but you don't see them. This is one interesting thing about Kokaka. You can actually identify it from the single feature, that it can call loudly, very close, but you don't see it. It's often a good way of attracting little birds in, just these squeaky note noises. There's a little tomtit, so we've got brown creepers, probably about six to eight brown creepers, silver eyes, tomtits, 
chaffinch, bowbird, tui. There's a blackbird singing and a grey warbler. It's a great spot. I started getting interested in birds before, I think, yeah, a little bit before I became convinced about Kokako. Oh, Kaka? Oh, two, two. I can hear two. That time ago, I was perhaps a wee bit cautious myself and wondering, well, is, is the evidence strong enough? Are these birds really here? In about, say, 18 years ago, by 18 years ago, I was totally convinced and nothing's changed since then. So 500 hours, 3.12.84, Gorgy Creek Terrace. When that bird is calling, when that bird starts calling out there, that bird is there, there's the excitement, the challenge begins. It's just when that bird is vocally active, searching for South Island Kokaka then becomes a real obsession. Five deer bark or bock call, 2nd of December 1984. <laughs> Six bubble call recorded on the same evening. And then I set up my best stereo record system. Kerry up the tree with the camera. If you can visualize all this, this was the setup. Kerry was just up there and I went away about 100 meters. Now, two of the calls I heard were unmistakable, unequivocal. They were the organ-like calls definitely Kokaku. All the rest of them, and the ones happened to be around the main record tape recorder, were oddities, such as the steer bark, such as a loud clack, and I think there were some other odd calls that night too. But I heard these beautiful Kokaku-like calls which didn't get recorded, as well as one very hollow note right above my head. Really loud. It was about three times louder than the loudest tui call I've ever heard. And Yet, Kerry, who's not very far away, didn't hear a single thing and it wasn't recorded. So one can assume only one thing. These calls were incredibly directional and probably those particular ones that weren't recorded were aimed at me. The Kokako has quite short, rounded wings. Three, Mew and Wing Beats. Little Mount Anglin branch of Freshwater, November 1984. Often it's broken like... Sorry, yeah, that steer is defined. Mm -hmm. Perfectly done. How would you score it? 10 out of 10? Oh, did you do most of it? Granville State Forest, 20th of November 2000. Arrived two days ago. Already in camp were Ron Nilsson and his son Kit. Well, he said Dave to me, I think it's time to look for feathers, he said. And he looked down, instead of listening and looking up for a bird, he just looked down and suddenly this feather appeared. <laughs> just, and he brought it back. Ron Nilsson was here. Kōkāko, because they're 
uh, are very ancient birds. They've been in New Zealand for about 60 million years, and their feather structure is just a little different from other birds. So John Darby, who was uh, then at Otago Museum, took this feather and compared it with other feathers, and back came the, the reply that it looks as though that it's uh, South Island Kōkāga. And uh, much later, that particular feather went to Holland. Um, Possibly for DNA sequencing, yes. I'm not sure. And uh, was lost. So um, we can't even prove to this day that a feather was found on Stewart Island in 1987. I think if I add up, I would say three that I've got a high degree of certainty. Three that were Kokaka. And the probably about another six other sightings which possibly were Kokaka. Probably my best, most certain sighting was on a very wet day. It was raining constantly, not very heavy rain, but just medium rain. And so I was wandering around and I carried a pair of binoculars but nothing else. And I heard what I thought was the first tui I'd heard in this valley. Normally I'd hear this tui and walk on, but something made me go to below where it was calling, looked up, and then I saw the bird. And I still, you know, was absolutely astonished is when I looked up, it wasn't a tui. It was a large bird. It was grey in colour. In fact, where the light was showing on it, it was a silvery grey in colour. It took off with slow wing beats and flew in a laboured flight out of sight. And as soon as it started singing again, I actually thought, I must have been mistaken. I couldn't have seen anything but a tui because again it was singing. I was just trying to think that wasn't a kokako, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was a tui. And then it flew again right above my head and it was then there was no question. On the instant of the sighting, I knew it wasn't a tui. As soon as it starts singing, it has to be a tui. That's how the mind works, I think. But when it flew above my head, there was no question it was a kokaka. But every note was a mixture of tui and bowbird. If I'd recorded that call, no one would have believed me. No one. I had a really enjoyable job working with North Island Kokaku, which was, I think, in the end ongoing for a couple of years or three years. And it was South Island Kokaku season, so I just left that job and and just went voluntary looking for South Island Kokaku. I considered it was really essential to try and save that bird from extinction. So, yes, I've missed out economically, but in other ways I don't think I've missed out anything. I've been privileged to be working with a bird that's just so remarkable. So I don't think I've missed out on anything. There's various ways of finding it. You can be idiots like me who wander in the bush playing tapes for 21 years and still haven't found the unequivocal evidence or you can go and talk to a number of different people in the hopes that one of them actually already has that unequivocal evidence. The first time I've seen them 
I went back a couple of times before I actually seen them again. And then after that I kept going back because I was working in that area. So now and then you get really good reports that you have to follow up. They were there late September 98. Looked and seen a bird that I hadn't seen before, way up in the tops of the tree. We get hundreds of reports. I try to interview when I've got time. Quite a large bird, bluey grey colour, and um, the bush where it is is quite dark. <coughs> it was hard to pick out the first couple of times. Quite often I listen to the reports or even hear their evidence if they've got tape recordings, video, and it, and it turns out to be a tui or something common, but that's fine. But sometimes you get one that is different and kind of staggeringly different. But the noise that it made was like nothing I ever heard before. To me it's like a sort of a scary noise, ghosty noise. He was giving the descriptions of the birds he had seen and the calls he had heard. I thought, oh yes, it sounded like it was probably tui or kaka. So um, I just took it from there and just kept going back until I managed to catch the noise and tape record it. During the interview he brought this recording out and played it and I just about fell off the chair. There was just no question. It was unequivocal Kokako organ song and not just one minute of it, there'd be two or three minutes of full song, full loud song. Absolutely definite. When I tape recorded it and had people listen to the tape recorder, no way it was a tui. That call just mesmerised me. I thought, wow, I hope he gives me a copy of this call. I had copied it to give Reese a copy and... Um, and what happens? I lost the house. Poor guy's the house, house burns down. We lost everything and the tapes actually went with it. <laughs> that was the unequivocal evidence of the presence of South Island after 21 years. <laughs> <laughs> End of story. But um, they've got to be still here somewhere. There's a lot of scepticism and a lot of people here who don't believe us, but they haven't really been involved. Well, I've just got back from Weston. And Korkako 2000 will have to become Korkako 2001 now. But I need a little bit of a rest. Twenty-two years ago, we really didn't have very much more than we've got now. We haven't come up with a photograph. We haven't come up with a, a really good recording. And it's understandable. A lot of people are going to be sceptical and think that I'm just on a wild goose chase, a tangent. Just feeling that I've spent a lot of time on South Island Korkako and I am getting weary. It's, it's getting tiring. It's psychologically very demanding. But 
you just sort of keep going thinking, well, our luck's got to get better. Uh, good morning, we're walking up Alexander River in the Grey Valley, West Coast, Buller region. And it's the 13th of April, 2002. And we're having a search for South Island Kokako. Okay, do I believe in ghosts? <laughs> I could say I believe Kokako. They're out there, all right. 